0: welcome everyone this morning to online worship Uh, hope you're tuning in and if you have I'm glad that you're with us Uh, a few things I want to say as we get started give everybody time to kind of get logged on anyway but for those of you all that are already catching this I want to let you know that if you go to unionbaptisthawesville.org that's our website and there you can access under the uh, about tab, and then in member resources, uh, you can get access to the prayer calendar, the directory, and our list of at-risk uh, people from the church here that we need to be praying for. With It'll have their, their numbers and uh, addresses and things like that so that we can contact them because we definitely we want to remember those who cannot get out and about as much as the rest of us and remember them in the midst of this, this trial and this, this uh, uh, quarantine I would like for you to join me in Isaiah chapter 45 as we do our call to worship and uh, we'll be reading verses 5 through 8 and and then we'll pray and let Andrew come and preach the word this morning. So Isaiah chapter 45 verses 5 through 8 God says I am the Lord and there is no other besides me there is no God I equip you though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Will you join me in prayer? Father, as we gather this morning, it's an unusual gathering for us and and our brothers and sisters across this nation and across the world as we have uh, had to take on extreme measures or or different measures, God, to gather. Uh, And we recognize that this is not... Uh, uh, the real fullness of gathering that this is just a substitute this is just something that we are doing God in, a, in an extreme situation um, but God we do want to gather we want to be your people and we want to fellowship and worship together as best as we can God we, we look at this, these verses today we look at, at what Isaiah has said what you have said in Isaiah and we recognize your sovereignty God we see that you claim very uh unashamedly you claim that you make well-being and create calamity and so we see your hand and recognize rightly that this this corona outbreak is not apart from your 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 sovereignty it's not outside of your your will it's not beyond your control god it, it there is a sense in which this comes from your hand and we we see that and and we recognize that fact this morning So since it's in your control, God, because it is a part of what you have decreed and allowed to take place, we pray that you would use this season, God, that you would help people to know that you were real, that in this and through this and because of this, you would cause men and women's hearts, boys and girls, young and old, sick and well, God, to to recognize the brevity of life, the fragility of life, God. God and to know that there is an eternity out there awaiting each and every one of us. So we pray, God, that a whole generation of, of uh, young people that have been raised in a, a godless humanistic philosophy would, would seek a transcendent God in the midst of this, God, that there would be a crying out and a longing within the human heart and that you would make sure that it happens by the work of your spirit and the work of your church, God, that you would turn men and women's hearts toward God, that they would begin to pray and seek for your, your blessings and and that they would repent of sin. God, use this to to help people and cause people to know that you're real. And as the text says that there are no other gods, that you alone are God, that there is no God to be found in Hinduism or Buddhism or any other belief system, God, that the only true and wise and right God is is declared here in the scriptures, the holy scriptures of the Christian faith, and that people would turn to you, O God, in, in honesty and truth and repentance. We ask that you would awaken our nation to spiritual realities. God, that you would strengthen our families and our churches through this. And that seems uh, counterintuitive. But God, we we believe that this is in your hands. We believe that you sovereignly control this, and so we believe that you are still reigning and ruling, and we understand that everything you do is for the good of your people and for your glory. So it's not a big ask, God, to ask that you would cause our nation to be aware and awakened to spiritual realities, that this would, would be instructive. We know that it's not purposeless. We know that it's not unguided. We know, God, that it is not random but that it is brought on by your hand, by your will, God, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so, God, we do pray that for the sake of your church that you would awaken our nation, that you would cause the sleeping people of this, this country, God, those who are languishing in in sin and, and wickedness and, and God forgetfulness, that you would awaken them and cause them to understand that you are real and that, that there are, is a world around them in spiritual realities, that they would be Uh, brought to life Lord brought to worship that through this families would be strengthened God we have spent so much time apart from each other so much time fractured and divided and pulled and now we're back together in the home in ways that that we haven't experienced in in months maybe years and so God what we ask for is grace in this time that that Father, that the hearts of fathers would be turned back to children and children to fathers as the word speaks of, that the family unit would be built and strengthened and and solidified, God, that you would cause this to be a, a blessing to your people. God, that you would cause it to, to strengthen the, the foundational family unit, Lord, within our, our churches and within our nation, and that you would give grace to us in this time to not be at each other's throats, to not be fighting, to not be exhausted or exasperated with one another, but God, to have grace, especially among the, the community of believers, that there would be grace flowing, Lord, and that there would be bonds being formed and, and, and closeness being knit together, Lord, with our families and, and close relatives in ways that perhaps we've grown apart. God, we also pray especially that you would call men at this time, Christian men, to lead their homes valiantly in spiritual discipline. God, that you would lay it on the hearts of men who maybe have not been doing well at that, that you would help them to rise to the occasion. God, and they cannot and will not do that on their own. So we plead with you, O God, who is in sovereign control that one of the outcomes of this corona outbreak would be that men step into that space and, and protect and lead and, and, and bless their homes with spiritual guidance and, and direction, God, and that you would help them to step into that space. Give them the courage and the wisdom and the know-how, God, and help them to find resources through, uh, through Andrew and myself and others that will help our members step in, into that role and lead and guide in that way. But God, we also petition through this for gospel opportunities. Your word says there in verse 8, "'Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit.'" And so, God, we plead, we're bold enough through your word to ask that through this gospel opportunities would be opened up. Things that have never been opened before, God, that doors would swing wide open. That that you would give us not only the wisdom to see the door open, but the courage to step in and begin to speak with power and conviction and love and compassion and grace. To be wise, God, in our counsel but to point hearts and, and minds toward God, toward you in this time. And so we pray for that, God. We petition for that because your word says here that, that, that the, the heavens will open and the clouds will rain righteousness and that the earth will open up for salvation. And God, we pray that you would do that in this outbreak, in this circumstance as well. But God, we also pray that you would help us to, to simplify our lives and reprioritize biblically. God, this has forced upon us—a quarantine and a quietness that we've not uh, submitted to. And there's a—I'm thankful in some ways for this, God, and the quietude that has has come into our home through this. And God, it is—it's it, refreshing as as much as it's uh, unnerving for us to be in this scenario. But I pray that another thing that you would do through this is help us all to reprioritize our lives biblically, to simplify. We're learning that we can. We're seeing that it's possible. Lord, we would have never done it on our own, but by providence, you've caused it to happen. And so I pray that things that are, that are just not needed, things that are gospel distractions, God, things that are, that are spiritual life uh, distractions would be permanently removed, that you would help us to take steps, God, to not clutter our, our lives and our minds with these things anymore. God, we want to thank you for your protection over us thus far. And we pray for continued protection for our families and for our health care workers, Lord, who are on the front lines of dealing with this, God, and also our at-risk population. So we pray that you would not only, that we thank you that you've guarded them this far, but we pray that you would continue, that you would bless and, and, and stay the hand of this pestilence, God, that it would not continue to ravage and destroy. And we pray particularly for the members of Union Baptist Church, God, and those who are in health care here and those who are in, in the uh, at-risk population, either by sickness or by, uh, by vocation, God, that you would minister and pour out grace and protect and, and keep us safe and sound. God, we ask for wisdom as pastors, wisdom as parents. We pray for wisdom for our business leaders, our local authorities, our governors, President Trump and the CDC as as we all seek to enact wise measures personally and and corporately as a a state and as a nation and as churches and as, as businesses and all these things. And so God, help us, bless us, keep us, protect us dispense wisdom, O oh God, through uh, people in, in prime opportunities, prime positions in order to disseminate that wisdom and that truth to a multitude of people. And God, we also pre- re- we pray for the return of our freedoms. God, this is not natural. It's not normal. There is a nervousness within the church, God, about what this means going forward. And so we simply recognize that nervousness, God, uh, and we pray that our freedom would return. We pray that it would not be uh, impinged upon forever or, or again. God, we pray that this would be a once-in-a-lifetime thing, that, that we would not see uh, the closing in of, uh, and tightening down of, of freedoms as your people to gather for worship God, we pray for clear communication of the actual threat levels, that there would not be a a flood of disinformation and and fear-mongering, but we pray for truth, Lord, scientific truth, actual factual statements about uh, this disease and how it spreads to be known more clearly and published broadly so that hysteria and panic can cease. And God, we also pray for the swift end of this outbreak. And God, we again appeal to you for these things because you create Uh, light and darkness, you make uh, well-being and calamity. And this is not beyond your scope, God. It is in your hand. It's being being used by you for many purposes, many of which we don't know, but, God, many of which we can determine as we read your word. And so we thank you and we appeal to you because you, O God, are our comfort, our strength, our safety, our refuge. And we love you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen.
1: All right, well, this truly is a, a unique situation, and, and it is a, a strange time, and I uh, just want to take some time this morning and, and think about how we're responding to that. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of different responses. There are a lot of different concerns. Some people are uh, afraid of sickness and, and death. Others are, are more concerned about canceled plans and the disruption of life as, as normal, uh, we're afraid of the loss of job, the economic impact this is going to have, the political uncertainty there there are so many uh, different things and I think there's a couple different responses. One is just a, a response of sort of frustration and and even anger feeling uh, you know you know why does this have to interrupt my my life? Uh, but then there's others who are full of fear and anxiety and even panic we've seen that all over the news, haven't we, about people who are panic buying, and uh, so, so they've allowed fear and anxiety to take over their lives and to cause them to act in ways that in some, in some ways are really irrational, uh, and so that's kind of what I want to focus on uh, this morning. I want to focus on uh, anxiety and fear, uh, that, that kind of response. Uh, And to do that, I want to look this morning at Matthew chapter 6, because our our Savior, Jesus Christ, had had much to say uh, about anxiety. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, and beginning at verse number 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life? I want to just begin this morning by def- defining anxiety. That's a word that we use a lot. Uh, it's certainly a word and, and a concept that's all over our culture, especially right now. Uh, but even before this kind of uh, outbreak and this kind of serious issue that's going on, uh, this is something that so many people in, in our country are are dealing with. So I want us to think about and rightly define what anxiety is and this is the way that I would define it. Anxiety is an inordinate concern for situation and substance aroused by some present unrest or future uncertainty, which renders a person ineffective in daily Christian living. Now, I think Jeffrey's going to put that on Uh, A link there for you with with some of these points and and that definition. But let me just take a minute to to break that down. Anxiety, first of all, is an inordinate concern. I I like that word inordinate. I use it a lot. You've probably noticed it before. Uh, But, you know, it's not wrong to be concerned about things. Right now, it's not wrong to be concerned about this pandemic that we're uh, involved in. It's not wrong to be concerned about your financial well-being. It's not wrong to be worried about or concerned about relationships. Uh, those things in and of themselves are, are not wrong. The issue is when it becomes an inordinate concern, uh, when, when it becomes an, an overarching kind of thing that, that takes over our thought life and, and that rules our heart and mind. But it's an inordinate concern for situation and substance. Situation, that could be any number of things. It can be a relationship, marriage, children. It can be the state of your health. The Is that test result going to come back positive or not? It can be employment. It could be the situation that we're in right now with the coronavirus. How am I going to be able to handle these kids uh, for, this, for this time? That might be your anxiety right now, the situation that you're in. Uh, how Are we going to have enough food, the food that we need? That, that can be a, a situation. Uh, and so it can be situation or substance. That is stuff, the, the stuff of life, material possessions like money, house, car, retirement, all, all of those kinds of things. So it's an, it's an inordinate concern for situation and stuff that's aroused by some present unrest or future uncertainty. That concern was there. It was already in your heart. You already had an, a, an attachment to this thing, but, but now there's some present unrest going on that kind of wakes it up and, and brings it to life, so to speak, or some future uncertainty. I'm not sure what is going to happen there. And so it's aroused by some present unrest or future uncertainty. And then here's really the problem is that it renders a person ineffective in daily Christian life. In other words, this this inordinate concern that you have uh, begins to take over. It keeps you from trusting the Lord. uh, And and we're gonna see that, that anxiety really is is the opposite of of faith. Uh, It it is an attack or an assault on, on our faith. So it keeps you from trusting the Lord. And oftentimes it keeps you from obeying the Lord. It keeps you from doing the things that you ought to do. And so this is what anxiety is. But this morning we want to look at what Jesus says about anxiety. Uh, He commands us here not to be anxious. So we just need to begin with an understanding that, that anxiety is sinful it 's not sinful to have a, a normal concern, but when it becomes an, an anxiety, when it begins to become inordinate, when it becomes to take over it begins to take over our, our thoughts and in, in our life and, and begins to have negative effect on our even physical and, and emotional health. Uh, At that point, it has become sin. Jesus commands us here. His word is, do not be anxious. A command is given. But not only does he command us, though, not to be anxious, but in his words here, he helps us understand the way that our heart works, and he really provides us a way out. He provides us a remedy for anxiety. So this morning, I want to look at that and and notice several things about anxiety. The first thing that I want us to see this morning is that anxiety reveals a wrong treasure. Anxiety reveals a wrong treasure. You can see this in beginning in verse number uh, 25. You notice, don't you, that verse 25 begins with, therefore. Now, in the previous section, uh, Jesus has been talking about do not lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. So he's been talking about what it is that that we treasure. And in verses 24 or verse 24, he says, you, no one can serve two masters. So, so you cannot serve God and money or God and material Possessions, And it's on the heels of that teaching that he launches into this teaching about anxiety. And, and he doesn't say, okay, end of sentence, end of thought. Now, now I'm starting a new topic, a new discussion. Instead, he begins with the word therefore. In other words, there's a logical connection between our anxiety and what we're serving, between our anxiety and what we are trusting in, what we are treasuring And I think that is uh, there is a connection here. So I want to give you with each one of these points both a principle and then a remedy. So here's the principle for this. I become anxious when I treasure material things and live for them. I become anxious when I treasure, instead of treasuring God, instead of trusting and living for the Lord, I become anxious when I treasure material things and live for them. The reason for this is is quite simple, is because when we make happiness dependent upon getting and keeping stuff, that will always end in failure. When my life is all about treasuring this thing and having this thing, possessing this, whether it's retirement or health or a relationship or whatever it is, when I I boil my life down to having that thing, that's what I've got to have in order to have happiness, it's always going to end in failure. And it's going to end in failure for two reasons. First of all, things are beyond your control. Pandemics come, markets crash health will fail spouses sometimes leave and and there are so many other factors all of these things at times are out of our control We can't make them happen. We are not sovereign. We do not have the power. Jared, in his prayer, talked about how how all things are under God's control. God is sovereign. God is sovereign over pandemics. God is sovereign over our suffering. He's sovereign over all things. We are sovereign over nothing. And so things are beyond our control. The second reason that anxiety will result when we treasure material things is because all material things are temporary. That's what Jesus teaches in his words about treasuring things on this earth, where he says moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. You see, the principle he's teaching you there is that nothing in this life is eternal. Nothing in this life is certain. Now here's the remedy then for this problem of anxiety. To overcome anxiety... I must treasure and serve the Lord above all else. You see, when I put my treasure in the Lord, when I live for Him, I'm kind of hitching my wagon, so to speak, to the one who is sovereign. If I'm living for material things, they they come and go. they're they're temporary temporary, and they're out of my control. I can't make them happen. but when I trust in the Lord, when I live for Him. I'm trusting in the one who's sovereign. I'm trusting in the one who controls all things, including every last little detail of my life. And I'm trusting in the one who is eternal. The things that we live for are temporary. They're shifting. They're decaying. They're uncertain. But God is eternal and unchanging. If you live for him and put your hope in him, you will not be disappointed And you will have no need to be anxious. The second thing that we see in this passage about anxiety is this, that anxiety misses the true nature of life. Anxiety misses the true nature of life. Look again at verse number 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So there's the command. Don't be anxious about these things. But then here's the reason why you should not be anxious. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Why does he pick out food and clothing? Well, he's helping us think about things that are really kind of essential to life. These are the, they represent, food and clothing represent uh, the things that are essential for supporting life. Later on, Paul tells us that if we have food and clothing, that we ought to be content with those things. In other words, he's saying, you have what is essential to sustain your life. But the point that Jesus is making is, is this. The point of life is actually far greater than, than your mere physical survival. You see, there's something greater that, that, to life than that. The Life is more than food and clothing. Life consists in more than just you securing what you need in order to be able to survive. In other words, God has a purpose for your life, and we know that purpose is for you to worship him, for you to bring glory to him. We exist to glorify God. We, we don't exist to... To make sure that we keep existing. We don't exist to provide for our needs and to secure those things. No, we exist to glorify God. Our physical life, another word, in other words, exists to serve something beyond itself. So, what should be the all-consuming purpose in your life? It should not be getting the right house or hitting that magic number for your retirement. The purpose of your life is not staying physically healthy. Uh, No, the all-consuming purpose of your life should be to worship God no matter what. You may not have all that you think you need. You you may go through trials. You may go through suffering. But the purpose of your life, life is more than those things. The purpose of your life is to worship God. So here's the principle for this. Anxiety comes when we reduce life down to mere physical survival and lose sight of this transcendent reality that I am created to worship God. When life becomes all about working so that you can have enough money and provide for yourself, that becomes a very anxious endeavor. We take our eyes off the Lord and place them on our perceived needs. So what is the remedy For this, the remedy is this, I must find my ultimate purpose in worshiping God and seeing my physical existence as serving that end. See, don't let your life be boiled down and focused down into just surviving or just having physical needs met. You exist to worship God and you need to keep that transcendent reality as part of your perspective on life. Here's the third thing about anxiety that we see in this passage anxiety fails to see god as our father god our father as the true provider anxiety fails to see god our father as the true provider notice in verse number 26 he says look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them Notice the birds, the point he's making here is that the birds don't provide for themselves. They're not consumed with planting and and reaping. They, They bring glory to God by soaring through the air, through the heavens and declaring the beauty and the glory and the wonder of God. And then God simply provides for them. Now, anxiety comes, here's the principle, anxiety comes when I believe that I must ultimately provide for myself. Anxiety comes when I believe that I must ultimately provide for myself. If I'm going to be healthy, it comes down to me. I've got to do it. If my children are going to be raised right, I've got to do it. It's my responsibility. I have the power to do it. It's in my power and I must do it. I ultimately am the provider of the good things that I need in in my life. Now, we need to be careful here and balance this out because yes, God does often use our work and our effort as the means of providing for us, but we are not ultimately the provider. He is ultimately the provider. And we need to to keep that in in focus. So the remedy is this. I must fulfill my God-given purpose, bringing glory to him in life, and depend completely on God to supply my needs. You see, I don't I don't need to put myself in that place as the one who's got to do this, as the one who has the power to do this. Don't make yourself the supplier of good things because if you do that, you will be anxious. You will be anxious. You You're not created to carry that much weight. You can't, we've already seen, you don't have the ability to secure and to keep all the good things that you need in your life. God has the ability to do that. And when you try to place all of that on your shoulders, you're just simply taking more on than than you can handle and you will be anxious. You cannot keep your kids well. You cannot secure your retirement. You cannot do these things. God is the one who does it. He's the supplier of all good things. We see this in other places in scripture. Philippians 4.19 says this, and my God, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours. He's the supplier. We need to look to him. We don't need to take that burden upon ourselves. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Every good thing that you need in life comes from God. He's the supplier. He's the one who provides these things. So look to him, not to yourself as the one who can provide these things. If you see yourself as the provider, you will be anxious. Fourthly, we need to see that anxiety overlooks God's fatherly love. Again, look at, at verse 26. He, he calls our attentions to attention to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Notice there, he doesn't say the, the heavenly Father or their heavenly Father. He's saying, look how God cares for the birds. Look how he provides for the birds. They're not worried about it. They're not out planting and sowing. They, they do what God has designed them to do, and then God provides for them look at them and then consider this your heavenly father values you more than he values them he's your heavenly father are you not of more value than they are the the answer is obvious you are because God is your heavenly father this is not to say that God doesn't care about birds because he does not one of them falls to the ground without his knowing it but it, it is to say that he loves you infinitely more than he cares for the birds. We understand this love, something of this love, by the love that we have for, for our children. That, that can kind of provide sort of a baseline for us, can it? Uh, we, we understand the love that we have for our children and how we would do anything for them. And, and, and yet the love of our heavenly father is infinitely greater than even that love it's, it's it's there's a comparison there there's there's a connection there but his love for us is so much greater than even our love for our children jesus makes this same point just a chapter over in matthew chapter 7 verse 11 where he says if then if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good, give, give good things to those who ask him? Do you see the, the how much greater of Matthew 7 and 11? He's saying <clears throat> you can understand fatherly love. You can understand the love of a parent for a child, but, but I want you to know the love of the, our heavenly father is infinitely greater. How much more will he love and care for him, for, for us? So here's the principle. The principle is this. Anxiety comes when I forget that I am God's beloved child and that he has placed a supreme value on me. Do you think God is going to let something happen in your life that will ultimately destroy you? Do you think that that he doesn't know what is happening with this coronavirus? Do you think he doesn't know your disappointment and frustration with your plans being canceled? Do you think he doesn't know all of these things? He does, and he loves you infinitely more than you even love your children. He's working things, all things out for the good of his children, for the good of those who who love him. So here's the remedy for you this morning. I must frame, frame every concern of mine. I must frame every concern of mine in light of God's fatherly love for me. You see, when we forget God's fatherly love, the coronavirus, a pandemic, the the stock market plummeting, all of those things can cause overwhelming anxiety. But but when we look at those kinds of things, we can have the proper kind of concern that we ought to for them and, and yet keep them in light of the fact that our Heavenly Father is in control of this and he loves you, and he loves me, and he's not letting anything happen that's out of his control or that isn't ultimately for the good of his children. We need to keep this in mind. Number five, anxiety is an utterly fruitless endeavor. Anxiety is an utter, utterly fruitless endeavor. Look at verse number 27. In which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's a simple question, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is this, you can't add a single moment to your life by by worrying about it. Anxiety and fear never fixes anything. It doesn't resolve one problem, You can't make yourself live longer than God intended for you to live. You cannot change the results of your blood work. You cannot fix the economy. You cannot guarantee financial success. You cannot make your children turn out okay. You cannot prevent death and disease. You are finally unable to change God's purpose for your life by worrying about it. So don't be anxious. Anxiety is an utterly fruitless endeavor it doesn't accomplish anything so here's the principle anxiety comes when i give myself too much power When I think that I have the ability by worrying about it, by being anxious or by trying to do certain things, when I think I have the ability to make my husband stay faithful, to make my retirement secure, to make myself have a long and healthy life, whatever it is, when I think I'm the one who can do that, then I'm I'm setting myself up for all kinds of anxiety. You were never meant to take the position of God. Here's the remedy then. I must faithfully obey God, trusting his sovereign purpose. God, God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He's, he has an allotted time for you to live. And you need to trust that. And you need to not be anxious. You need to rest in the sovereign plan of God. Now, I want to say this. I don't allow the idea or the concept or the reality of God's sovereignty to lead me to act foolishly because that would be disobedience so we remember when Satan tempted Jesus he said look if God's in control and he's got this plan for you then just jump off the pinnacle of the temple and he'll deliver you and Jesus says no the Bible says don't put the Lord your God to the test we we don't put God to to the test we don't say my life is in God's hands," so you know I'm going to go to Wuhan China and eat bat soup not a good idea right uh, that, that's not something we, we should do we don't put God to the test trusting God's sovereignty includes living a life of submission to his revealed will so if I'm trusting in God's plan for my life then what, one of the things I'm doing is submitting to the revealed will of God doing what he commands me to do including making wise decisions with, with my life so I must faithfully obey God Trusting his sovereign purpose. The next thing that we see, I think it's number seven. I've lost track now, uh, but but about anxiety is this. Anxiety fails to see the incredible beauty of God's provision. Anxiety fails to see the incredible beauty of God's provision. So look at verses 28 and 29. Here, before he talked about the birds, here he's going to talk about Uh, the grass and flowers of the field. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They like the birds. They're not the ones who provide for themselves. And then look at verse number 29. That's what we want to focus on here. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, the point initially is the same as when he talked about the birds. The birds don't provide for themselves, but God feeds them. Here, the, the, the flowers of the field, they don't do any work, and yet God clothes them. But, but he goes on to make an additional point, and th- that is this. The, the provision for God uh, of God for their clothing is lavish. It's beautiful. It's not just the base model. It's not just something that's just bare minimum, just sufficient. It's, it's beautiful. It, it, the, the way that God provides for the flowers of the field is something that's, that's far more beautiful than Solomon ever was, one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament. And, and no matter how beautiful he was arrayed or dressed, God's provision for the flowers is, is more beautiful than that. You see, God's provision is not ugly it's not the bare minimum it doesn't pale in comparison to what we could really have if we would just go out and get it ourselves God's provision is lavish it is glorious it is beautiful so here's the principle anxiety comes when I believe that there is something better than God's provision anxiety comes when I believe that there is something better than God's provision and listen, we can do that sometimes as Christians, can't we? We can become discontent, thinking that if we want what the really good stuff in life, then, then we've got to do it our, our own way. God's not going to do that. God's provision is just somehow second rate. Isn't this really what Adam and Eve believed in, in the garden, what they were tempted to believe? God has something that's really good, and he's not giving that to you. He's provided you with this stuff, but... This stuff pales in comparison to what God has hidden from you, what he's concealed, what he has kept from you. When we buy into the lie that God, that there's something better than God's provision, then we start pursuing those things apart from God. And that, again, as we've already seen, is a recipe for anxiety. I'm not going to trust God's provision. The really good stuff, I've got to go out and get myself. That's too much weight to put on Yourself And it's all based on a lie. So what is the remedy? The remedy is this. I must trust that God's provision is the very best. It is beautiful. Back to that passage in in James 1.17. Listen to that again. He doesn't just say every gift that comes comes down from heaven. But listen to the way that he describes the gift. Every good gift and every perfect gift gift is from above coming down from the father of lights you see god's gifts are good they are perfect his provision is beautiful it's lavish what what he's giving to you is not second rate it's not second best we see that again in that passage i quoted from matthew 7 and 11, seven eleven. 11 uh, if then you, you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so God's provision for you is good. Here's one more thing about anxiety. Anxiety tries to deal with the future today. Today. We see this in verse 34. Anxiety tries to deal with the future today. Look at verse number 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God will give you the grace you need for tomorrow. He'll give it to you tomorrow. Don't try to deal with the problems and the things that are going to happen tomorrow. Don't don't try to deal with those things today on today's provision. Here's the principle. I become anxious when I try to deal with tomorrow's problems with today's grace. I become anxious when I try to deal with tomorrow's problems with today's grace. And here is the remedy. The remedy is this. I must focus on what God has for me today today and trust him to supply tomorrow's needs tomorrow. Some of you maybe are looking at this problem that we're facing right now, and you're just thinking, this is going on for weeks. This is not just a a few days. How am I going to be able to do that? How am I going to be able to keep up with the kids? What am I going to do financially? What what am I going to do? Are we going to have enough food? And you're looking to the future, and you're thinking about all of these possibilities. And Jesus says, look, don't do that. When you do that, you'll become anxious. God will give you what you need today, today. So, so trust him today. And tomorrow, he'll give you what you need for that day. Ultimately, anxiety lacks faith. Anxiety lacks faith. You see this in verse 30 in the last part. Oh, you of little faith. Little faith. They, they had faith. Maybe that's you. you. You have faith. You trust in the Lord. And, and yet it's a weak faith. It's a small faith. The principle is this. I become anxious when I fail to trust God. I become anxious when I fail to trust God. You know, faith is at the heart of the Christian life. And anxiety is a direct assault on our faith. That's why we've got to identify it. That's why anxiety is no small problem. That's not why why it's something that we can't merely take a a medical approach to our anxiety. Well, I'm just going to take a pill and that's going to be it. Now, that that might be something you need to do. I I don't know. But, But the reality is there are heart level issues going on here that we need to deal with when it comes to our anxiety. Anxiety is a direct assault on our faith. So the remedy is this. I must fight anxious thoughts. And pray for God to increase my faith. The, the last thing I want to just notice here is that anxiety chases after things instead of the provider of all things. We're kind of coming back full circle here to, to where we began. Anxiety chases after things instead of the provider of all things. Look at verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Right now in the midst of all of this craziness, what you need to be concerned about is not trying to make sure that you can secure all the provisions that you need, not, not trying to fix this uh, problem. What, what you need to do above everything else is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, trust in Him, pursue Him, and then allow God to provide for you. In this time of anxiety and uncertainty, you have a singular goal. Seek the Lord and trust in Him to provide. Notice what he says here. All of these things will be added to you. You, When you get your priorities right, when you stop pursuing all of these things and instead pursue the Lord, then He'll provide for your needs. If you focus on trying to secure all your needs right now, you will be crushed with anxiety. But if you seek him, you will find rest and security, the rest and security your heart needs, and God will supply all of your needs. Do you trust in him this morning? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to close this time together, and I want to pray for... Uh, all of the the people who are watching this video all of our uh, the members of our our church at union baptist lord and i want to pray uh, that you would help us trust you help us faint, uh, fight lord these these anxious thoughts that that for many of us are perhaps sort of taking over our heart and in our minds lord we have A a right to I think be anxious or or to be concerned about certain things right now we 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 have uh, uh, there, There are some genuine concerns that we ought to have But Lord let us keep those in the right perspective let us not become anxious about them God I pray that you would guard our hearts and keep us from this anxiousness Help and help and encourage and strengthen and build up our faith So that we might trust in you in these difficult times and we pray all of this in the name of Christ, amen.